Bible-believing Christians know that God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. What will that restoration be like this week on Creation Magazine Live? This is the audio podcast version of our TV show. Both of them are produced by Creation Ministries International. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Now our topic this week is, what will the restoration be like according to Genesis? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of confusion over the doctrine of heaven and the future of the, uh, the new heavens and new earth. Many Christians, while they look forward to being with Jesus after our physical death here on earth, don't have any real idea of what our eternal existence will look like. Often they read about the new heavens and earth described in the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, and then imagine existing forever in some sort of a, 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 a spiritual, ethereal realm instead of a, an eternal existence in a real, restored, physical universe. That's what it's going to be like. However, the, the Bible has a lot to tell us about what we, what we have to look forward to. Yes. And, and understanding our future state also helps us to understand what we lost when Adam fell. This also has serious implications for, for those who want to allegorize uh, the, the creation uh, events in Genesis in yes. order to add millions of years of you know, evolutionary history. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, Paul takes a bold stance on the resurrection when he says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as being raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So that's uh, well, it's pretty serious. What Paul is saying here is that we must believe in a physical resurrection of Christ to be saved. That's, that's important. It, it's that important. Right. That, this is because our future resurrection what we look forward to is the same sort of resurrection as Jesus. He right. was the first fruits, the Bible says. So the resurrection of the dead is a gospel issue. It's the, it's the end of the gospel. The end of the gospel is that we believers will live forever with Christ in a real physical uh, universe with real physical bodies. But where will those bodies live? Mm. Scripture's testimony is clear that the new heavens and new earth will be a real physical place, and not just a spiritual, it'll be spiritual, but not just a spiritual place. It'll and, be physical. And as we, we, we'll see, a fully restored creation, as outlined in the book of Revelation and elsewhere in Scripture, is un unequivocally linked to the events in the Garden of Eden, and right. is part of all yeah. mainstream, uh, mainstream eschatological views. So the doctrine of a new heavens and earth has been a standard core doctrine of the evangelical church and all of the mainstream well, non-cultic denominations right. throughout yep. all of Christian history. The Bible teaches that this present earth, all of creation, according to Romans 8.22, is cursed because of the presence of sin and will be destroyed. Peter writes, Peter says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies, or the elements, will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Wonderful verse about the future. And, and we notice here that Peter's not just using figures of speech, right? Indeed, just right. before this, he reminds his readers that God has, had previously judged the whole globe, 
with a, with a cat with a cataclysmic flood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just the whole world destroyed. So he doesn't say it'll, it'll be as if the heavens are being burned up. He right. says no, the heavens are going to be burned up in a straightforward language. He's saying that God's actually going to burn up the universe and set up a new heavens, a new earth where righteousness dwells. And he uses this fact to tell his audiences uh, to live a life befitting citizens of a new heavens and a new earth. We can learn a lot about what future events are going to be like uh, by looking at what we, we read uh, in, in Genesis. Yes, back, back in history. That's right. It's not hyperbole to call the coming judgment, the, the, the melting of the elements in fervent heat, uh, the rolling up of the heavens as a scroll, etc., an uncreation of the heavens and earth. Mm. Many judgments in the Bible are reversals of creation. For example, the flood reversed creation to a time before the land was separated from, from the seas on day two. Right. And Jeremiah 4.23 alludes to a future uncreation that reverses the universe back to a state described in Genesis 1 verse 2. So it's kind of an uncreation is what is coming here. Right. So it's not our point here today to really discuss uh, details of eschatology, our ministries are non-denominational, etc. But, but what we're going to do here is to present the big picture, and this is... Uh, and that is to present that the creation, the fact that the creation will suffer, suffer terribly, uh, utterly destructive judgment because of sin, right? Um, but the destruction is not just the end of the story because God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Right. Um, and so uh, we can read, uh, for the first heaven and the first, first earth has passed away. That's in Revelation 21.1. And, and of course, believers are going to live in that new creation for eternity. Right. So why would this be destroyed? Why would this world be destroyed? To destroy a whole universe seems a rather drastic solution to the problem of a fallen world. Uh, however, Scripture is clear that the whole creation fell. There's your reason for it. Mm -hmm. In Romans 8, 19 to 23, it says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Interesting analogy that Paul uses there, that he picks that analogy, the pains of childbirth, mm -hmm. to describe what's going on with the planet right now. Amazing. Yeah, when Adam sinned, um uh, the, the earth was cursed because of them, and the earth was further polluted by murder, violence, immorality, etc. But in or, uh, it, it's not just the, the dirt on the surface of the earth, right? It, it's the entire universe. All of creation is cursed. Right. So if, if all of creation is in, in need of uh, restoration, then um, it's because of the first man, right? Because the, the creation has been affected by the curse and further polluted by man's sin, it's not, it's not a suitable place for resurrected, perfect people to, to, to live. Um, how could we live uh, among fossils and graveyards and reminders of, of death right. and, and a yeah. flood-scarred earth that, that really you know, would bear testimony to God's great judgment of sin and, and wrath in, in a new resurrected, you know, new heavens and earth? It, it just doesn't make sense. Right, right. It has to be done away with in a sense. Right. All of this is a reminder that death is an enemy. Right. that beset all of creation, and a reminder that Christ has conquered death, thus giving us something to look forward to. It says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 
the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's from 1 Corinthians 15, you can see there. Just as our bodies die and return to dust, they will be raised as new bodies that nevertheless have continuity with our former selves. We will still be us after we die. Likewise, the earth has fallen and will be destroyed, but will be destroyed in order to be renewed. The destruction is a renewal. Uh, the restoration of the earth is directly analogous with the resurrection of the redeemed Christ. Just as, as, as we have to die before we're resurrected, right. the earth must be destroyed before it's renewed. That's, that's what the Bible's talking about there. Right, and this link to Genesis. Genesis uses the phrase heavens and earth to encompass all of the physical creation, right. the universe, right? So when the Bible uses this phrase, new heavens and earth, it has a similarly all-encompassing meaning. It's an indication of the continuity of the old creation with the new. But the word new has the connotation of superior or improved. If we want to see what an unfallen physical creation looks like, the obvious place is to start in Eden. Right? We imagine the first man and the first woman being born or being created, and then they're in this perfect paradise. If we want to see what an unfallen physical creation looks like, the obvious place, again, as we said, is you go back to Eden. Eden is a picture of God's ideal paradise. There was no sin, no death, no, no barrier to mankind's relationship with God. In the new heavens and new earth, there's a return to a sinless state with no suffering or evil of any kind and unlimited access to God. That's, it's, it's so, it is exciting talking about this, this subject, it's right. the, the eternal destiny for believers. And the fact that we're going to be able to participate in that again... Uh, all of that's possible because of Christ's sacrifice and paying right. for our sins. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's probably hard to even imagine that. You know, living in the same coast world we do, but, uh, but it, it's going to be even better than the original creation because there's not <laughs> even going to be the possibility of sin and death. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Many Amazing. people wonder, will the new heavens and earth be physical? We've already said that it was, but some people think that our eternal destination is, a, is an ethereal place populated by disembodied spirits <laughs> floating around or you become part of the playing one. Harps into playing harps and this kind of thing. That's in cartoons, right? Yeah. But, but that makes the mistake of confusing two places. The, the place where believers who die now to await the resurrection, that's often called paradise or, or, or heaven, that's, that's why people get confused, same name. Yeah. And the place where we will exist after the consummation of all things, the new heavens and new earth. Now on this, Paul wrote this, he said this, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Away from the body and at home, home with the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, wonderful. They still await the resurrection from the dead. That's what Paul is saying there. They're, they're, the, the folks are awaiting, if we're still in the body, we haven't died and we haven't been resurrected. We don't have our resurrection bodies. That's what Paul's getting at there. Yeah. And, uh, and our bodies are going to be transformed to be like Jesus' body. Jesus was the first fruits. And again, Paul says, uh, he says this, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. There again, we have a, an imperishable physical, bo physical body that's never yeah. going to die. Yeah, this idea that everything's just going to be 
I don't know, some kind of tra transparent or, or spiritual or everything yeah. like that, the yeah. new heaven and earth will be as physical as the current uh, heaven and earth. The Bible's descriptions of the world uh, include recreated animals and trees, cities, streets, rivers, other physical things, right? Yep. Uh, the new earth is uh, never described as ethereal or, or ghostly or, or anything like that. We're going to be in a place where there's actually physical things and physical bodies. and Right. Stuff. Now, what about the spiritual body? It does say spiritual bodies. Yep. In 1 Corinthians 15, 44, Paul says, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Some people take this to mean that when we are raised, we become some sort of uh, uh, vaporous, ethereal being. Uh, this interpretation misunderstands what Paul means when he calls our earthly bodies natural and our resurrection bodies spiritual. It doesn't refer to the stuff that, are, that our bodies are made out of, right. but of what motivates and drives our desires. That's what, that's what the text says there. That's what Paul's yeah, getting at. I mean, we need to remember that even in our sinful uh, physical bodies, right? We're still spiritual beings. Even the Lord Jesus was referred to as a, as a life-giving or quickening spirit. The, right. the point being right. made here is that you can be physical and spiritual at the same time, sure. right? We have both components. Here's another question. Will we experience time? That's a common question about heaven. Yeah. Uh, is it a common, it is a common belief that uh, eternal life will be timeless. Right. But that's not really correct. That's not what the Bible indicates anyways. Time, as we understand it, began with the creation of the physical universe. And the time frame used in the Bible is the Earth's time frame. Uh, when heaven rotates, or when, uh, rather when the Earth rotates with a light source, it defines a day. That's how we measure a day. So only God is outside of time because he preceded what he created. He's outside of time. Right. Every created being experiences, right? And, and we'll always experience life as a continuous series of events. I mean, if we're going to sing praises to the Lord in heaven, well, songs have a beginning, they have a middle, yep. they have an end. There's a continuity there. And it says um, we will do that. that so, that's yeah. right. So uh, think about it. If, if we go from one place to another, even, it's going to take time to travel from one place to another. Right. It's uncertain how that time might be measured, perhaps, but it will, we're certainly going to experience time in, in one form or another. So. Sure. People have a lot of misconceptions about what, what heaven's like. And uh, you can talk to people, and even, even many pastors or, or, or you know, people who have been Christians for quite a while, perhaps they haven't yes. really studied uh, what heaven's going to be like, and so they just have some, some misconceptions well, but, there. But often the thinking is, and you've probably run across this as well, people think, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about heaven. Right. And, and, and they'll bring up the verse, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what God has prepared for those who love him. But the, it, 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 it says right after that, but to those to whom the Spirit has revealed it, they're, they're right. And how did He reveal it? We've got God's word. Got God's There's word. a lot about heaven in, in God's yes, word. And actually, right? that verse refers to uh, the salvation mysteries that were a mystery right. in the Old Testament. But uh, yeah. uh, the Bible says a lot about heaven, mm -hmm. a lot about heaven, and it's a, it's going to be a wonderful place. Yeah. for believers. Uh, and it seems like there used to be more of an emphasis on people believing what it was going to be like and looking forward to that yes. than we see in a lot of uh, books or perhaps sermons or, or things like that today. Right. Yeah. So we've been going through some questions about the new heavens and earth and looking into whether the, the restoration is going to be physical or not. And uh, we've found out some things already. Right. Author and pastor Randy Alcorn, in his book Heaven, he writes this, 
God has never given up on his original creation, yet somehow we've managed to overlook an entire biblical vocabulary that makes this point clear. Mm -hmm. Redeem, restore, recover, return, renew, resurrect. Each of these biblical words begins with the re prefix, suggesting a return to an original condition that was ruined or lost. God always sees us in light of what he, intends, he intended us to be, and he always seeks to restore us to that design. Likewise, he sees the earth in terms of what he intended it to be, and he seeks to re restore it to its original design. Mm -hmm. uh, that's amazing. One important uh, theological reason that the new heavens and new earth needs to be physical is simply if God doesn't redeem or restore the physical world, then Satan wins. Exactly. Because he would have foiled God's original purpose in creating. He's ruined the creation. Okay, we're going to throw it out. But by the end of Revelation, uh, sin is gone. In addition, God gets praised because of his mercy and grace, and Jesus is glorified as the savior of the nations. Humans are, uh, are resurrected. We're, we're not just sinless in the resurrection. We're positively righteous and can never fall again. The earth must be similarly restored, or there's a huge gap in how we perceive God's redemptive work here. It just, it just doesn't fit. Absolutely. And, and compromise on Genesis creates a, a new heaven and earth problem. When, when we re, re, read of the restored creation and the new heavens and the new earth, particularly in chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation, it's absolutely clear that this is going to be analogous to what God originally did in Genesis 1. So if God's right. original design involved millions and billions of years of death and suffering, uh, I mean, then what's wrong with this, this, this scenario here? Uh, wh what's wrong with this creation? Why destroy it and create a new one if it's going to be the same way it was uh, before to this one? Exactly. So, so those yep. who believe that God somehow used a process of millions and billions of years of evolution have a huge inconsistency problem here. Yeah, they have a huge problem with what is often called the blessed hope, this future eternal paradise where all believers will live forever in a restored universe because it's, it's analogous to Genesis 1, then how could God have used a process of death and suffering to create the original? You run into that problem. Yep. Uh, here's the question for Christians who buy into the millions of years. Is God going to restore things back to millions of years of death and suffering? That's the question that, that you have to face. Of course, that, that doesn't make sense. One option would be to allegorize the, the concept of a new heavens and a new earth, just as is done with Genesis 1. Right. Yep. But you, you got to wonder then, why bother being saved? Because you can't really be sure of what the future state, uh, you, you can't really have any real hope. Uh, what, what's to look forward to? The new heaven right. and earth doctrine only makes sense within a creation, fall, restoration framework. Um, if, if God created a perfect world with no sin or death, it makes sense that God will restore it to a perfect world with no sin and no death. But every old earth or evolutionary view puts death before Adam was created. So to some extent, it makes um, death part of God's originally very good creation, which yeah. just doesn't make sense right. at all. The Bible tells us exactly what we have to look forward to when we trust in Jesus for eternal life. Uh, we have eternal life in a perfect resurrected body, in a physical restored body, in a perfect sinless fellowship with God. That's what believers have to look forward to. That book by Randy Alcorn there that we quoted from just a few minutes ago, um, it's called Heaven. 
It's a big, thick book, about 600 pages or something like the 500 pages. I, I, I read that a few years back and was just blown away by what he does is, he, it, it's not, oh, here's my opinion on heaven. It's, let's look together at what the Bible says about the eternal state, about where believers are going to spend eternity. And it right. is, it's very encouraging. There's another resource you can get, a book called Creation, Fall, and Restoration. And this provides a really powerful case for what we've just been dis- discussing, how we need an original perfect creation, yes. how the fall yeah. affected, and how we're going to be restored. And you can get that on our website. We often get a lot of feedback uh, yeah. on our website. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a common misconception, and I, I guess for a reason, that most people who don't agree with our position, uh, you know, they don't like our website, they don't like our material, or etc. This is an interesting feedback because it's from someone who doesn't take our position and yet visits our website and appreciates the content on there because yeah. it's quality content. So even if you don't believe in the creationist position, you still get, well, here's a fair and balanced uh, and, um, you know, representation of what creationists believe right. and, and yeah. their, their uh, um, positions. So we're going to do this a little different today. Uh, I'm actually going to read the person who wrote in a letter, and then you can read the response that was given from one of our our team, and uh, we're just going to go back and forth. Uh, It's almost going to be like a conversation, so uh, you won't hear the the fellow's complete um, letter, but uh, you'll hear the response. See how far we get here. Sure. So the fellow started off and said, I am a medical illustrator and published author. I wanted to let you know that I really like your website. And we wrote, thanks. <laughs> Though I'm not a Christian or creationist, I found your site very informative, well-written, balanced, and interesting. Your site is a breath of fresh air compared to the majority of nonsensical creationist sites out there. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Uh, and, and our response was, believe it or not, we hear that a lot. <laughs> we, we really do appreciate the comments because we work hard to be as accurate as possible. That's one of the things that we, we try to employ, uh, where it says in Proverbs, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. We try to employ that rather than having one guy come up with a theory, and before you know it, there's DVDs and books being, being written on this without any, any review, any peer review at all. Right. We, we, we try not to do that. So, and, and this fellow is obviously noticing that, that coming to fruition. Exactly. So great. Now, he admits, he says, I adhere to the theory of evolution is correct, along with many other scientific theories. And then he put theory being used in the technical sense. Okay, and our response was, which view of evolution do you, hear, do you adhere to? Neo, traditional, punctuated equilibrium? Or are you, used, are you using evolution simply to mean change in gene frequency over time, right. uh, which no informed creationist doubts? It's important to define terms accurately and avoid the fallacy of equivocation or bait and switch. And there's a link in the article there. Uh, you can see de- definitions slippery as eels. We often have links in there, and we'll try to uh, try to put the... Uh, right. So that's an article that we encouraged him to go look at. Yes. Because we don't really know how he's using the term evolution, right. and a lot of people don't know how they're using it. Um, <laughs> now, it's interesting, because at the first of his uh, comment, he said he's not a Christian, but he says, but I also think that God created the universe. I guess, guess that makes me a theistic evolutionist. Aren't labels great? <laughs> great. Our response was, they can be if they're used accurately to define someone's beliefs accurately. How would you define God in the sense that you believed he created the universe? Would it be the God of the Bible or Allah or a Brahman uh, uh, from, from Hinduism? I believe that if God was powerful enough to create a universe, then he should be powerful enough to tell us how and why he did it. That's a good point. Uh, this is one reason that I believe the Bible to be from the Word of God. That's what one of our guys wrote back in response to right. this. Right. 
He said, I've become interested in the creationist movement because it has come to my attention that modern creationist groups are lobbying legislatures to pass laws and force public schools to teach creationism on an equal footing with science, uh, with which I strongly disagree. Yes, and, and we do too. Yeah. And, and the response was, CMI is not a lobby group, and we oppose legislation for compulsion of creation teaching. Right. Uh, that's, we're, we're not, our plan is to a grassroots approach. But uh, anyways... Wonderful, wonderful topic today on the show, and so we'll see you next week. Today's episode was originally formatted for broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.